Praise the Lord. You may be seated. God is so good to us. He woke us up this morning. He started us on our way. We've got breath in our body. So we need to praise him because he is so good to us. And I'm so glad that I know who Jesus is, but I'm so glad Jesus knows who I am too. You know, even if he sees the sparrow that falls, then he knows where we are and what's going on in our life. God is so faithful and so good to us every day, every day. I wouldn't want to walk one day without him holding my hand because I know I can't make it on my own. It takes him to get me where I need to go because he said... His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So if I know Jesus, I'm going to know where I'm walking and I'm going to know where I'm going. Hallelujah. He is so good to us. So good. And I love the first song they were singing because it actually goes along a little bit with what I'm going to teach today. When I'm teaching, it's to me as much as anybody else. And God works in such Almost mysterious ways, but sometimes I have to laugh at what he does. (laughs) You know, we think we've got everything worked out, Sister B, and right in the middle of it, God says, "Uh uh-uh, not there. You're going somewhere else. And it was about six weeks ago that Brother Sharon sent me a text and said, I want you to teach on the 26th. And I said, okay. So I like to study. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. And I don't like just to get up here and speak, people. Anybody can speak, but I want God to move. And uh, so I had something ready. I had something. Man, I was working on it. And the other day, I woke up. And Brother Marty can tell you this. He wakes up so many mornings with a song that he heard years ago and don't even know where he heard it. And he starts singing that song. And it ministers to him. And I woke up the other, the other morning with a song that I sang as a teenager. The Lord gave me beauty for ashes and for sorrow. He gave to me joy, and I've got so much more than I had before. I sure got the best of the trade. And when I woke up singing that, and I was just humming it, and I think I'd even come to church and prayed, and I went back home. I have kind of a routine, and I went back home, and I opened my uh, Chromebook to the scripture that I had for today. And that scripture said, Isaiah 61 and 3. And the Lord will give you beauty for ashes. I said, whoo. And I always read the whole scripture and do research on that scripture. And then I said, Lord, are you changing my text that I'm going to be talking about? And that's what he did because the Lord gave me beauty for ashes. And uh, we're going to read today from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Because the spirit of the Lord... God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of prisons to them that are bound. That's the first part of that. He didn't come just to come. He come with a purpose. And that purpose was to, if we're bound by anything, God came to open that prison. So many of us are in a prison of our own making, but God came to open that prison. Mm. That, that verse alone could go all day. 
But it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. But he's also a God of vengeance. To comfort all that mourn. If you're sorrow, if you're down, if you're out, God's here to comfort you. Now, to appoint unto those that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you will let him, God can give you a spirit of praise when you're downcast and you're heavy. Righteousness, and, and they, that they may be called, and there's a reason that he does all this, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, God didn't save any of us to sit on a bench. God didn't save any of us just to, to light our candle and put it under a bush. But there's a reason that God saved us. And it says, the Lord, that he might be glorified. I think so many times we get in ourselves when God blesses us or we do something good that we're to be glorified. It's not, there's nothing good in man unless God places it in us. And God is to be glorified in anything we do. God is to get the glory. When I wake up in the morning before I put my feet on the floor, I want to say, thank you, Lord, that you brought me through this night. Thank you, Lord, that I can walk. I want to give him the glory for anything in my life. And in Isaiah 58 and 18, let me go back just a minute. To appoint unto those that mourn, yes. In Isaiah 57 and 18, I have seen your ways and I will heal you. If you've been brokenhearted, he promised he'll heal you. If you're suffering from something, he promised he'll heal you. I will lead him also and restore comfort unto him. If you don't know what's happening in your life, let God restore the comfort that you need. Because he can give you peace that nobody else can give you and that you can't even comprehend and understand. He can do it. And I will create the fruit of his lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. There's more healing than just in physical healing. There's spiritual healing and there's mental healing. He says, and I will heal him. No matter where we are or where I have been in my life, we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. But so many times we look at our faults and our failures and the enemy of our soul makes sure to magnify them before us and let us believe a lie that I've been too bad. Who could forgive me for such things? Who could do? Uh, God's, God's never going to look past that. I was reading an article the other day and it said, somebody asked me, said, I think I have, uh, how did he put it? I've sunken my ship. For salvation. That he had went too far. That he, he was shipwrecked. He had shipwrecked his salvation. No, no. You've not shipwrecked that salvation. You've just got to get a hold of that floater and come back to the boat. Woo, hallelujah. Mm. God is not here to put us down. Nor to reject us. Because of our past. But he came to seek and to save that which is lost. It doesn't give God any pleasure to see us in turmoil. 
It doesn't give God any pleasure to see us feeling guilty about something else. All we got to do is come to him. And he's willing to take our ashes and turn them into beauty. That's what God's willing to do. You may feel your life is just a pile of ashes. But he can turn those ashes something that is just dust in the wind. Something if you've got a pile of ashes down here, you can just blow them away. And you can't ever find them again. But guess what? God can take those ashes and he can mold them and he can make them into something beautiful. He can mold them and make them into something beautiful. And sometimes beauty, beauty from ashes. Remember, we're going to talk about if you you say, well, how can he do that for me? A lot of times we want examples of somebody he's done it for. He's done it for me, Brother Larry. He's done it for me, and I think everyone out here can say, God has done it for you. But I'll, t- I'll start with remember. Remember Rahab. Rahab, if her name's ever spoken, it's Rahab the harlot. Remember Rahab and Joshua too. She, but Rahab's had something in her. And why God chose her, there had to be something in that spirit of her that when she began to hear about all the things that where the Israelites was coming and all nations was falling before them, she had to say, their God is greater than my God. She had to have something there because when the spies went to her place, she hid them. She hid them. And Rahab, I'm sure she never, she didn't know for sure, but she had a blinding faith that I'm going to trust what these spies are going to tell me. And she, she hid them. And, and they told her, she said, I, the only thing I asked for you, for me hiding, you read the story. I could go through it, but it'd take the rest of the time. Said, the only thing I asked for you, for hiding you and protecting you, is that when you come into the city, even though Jericho was so big and so fabulous for being able to stand, she had the faith that she knew when they come, Jericho was going to fall. And so she said, when Jericho falls, remember me and my household. And they told her to let down that scarlet thread. To let down that scarlet thread. And through something that she had never had before, she had faith enough to let down that scarlet thread. And she, her and her household was saved. Everybody, all of the, everything else fell. But then they brought, brought Rahab and her family out safe. N- little did she know. That when she took faith and trust to let down that scarlet thread, that she would be in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. A harlot in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. He saw not what she was, but he saw what she could be. And so many times we need to remember that she was in the bloodline of Jesus Christ because she married into the, she was a Gentile which married into the Jewish people, the Israelite people. And then she, she, her, her relationship come on with Boaz. And Boaz married Ruth and on down. And then Jesse and Obadiah and all them was, and then King David. That scarlet thread that hung out that window. God saw not what she was, but saw what she could be. She may have been rejected, Brother Larry, by everybody around her. Because the city officials knew she was a harlot. And they knew that that's where somebody would go to hide. But God saw different than what anybody else around her saw. Oh, God. Jesus sees. He sees the bloodline. Rahab married and became 
in the bloodline of Jesus. God doesn't look on the outward appearance or the past. He looks at the heart. When the people of Israel wanted a king, I'm sure they never once thought about a little shepherd boy because their other king was so tall and strong and mighty. But God saw a shepherd boy in a field that he said, you know what, he can be a king because he felt something in David that was after his own heart. God looked down and knew all about David. He knew about David's failures later on. He knew the end from the beginning. But still, he knew that somewhere in David, David had a heart after God. Nobody saw what God saw. God knew that he could see David as being a ruler over Israel. So don't put yourself out. Don't put yourself out. God sees you. We don't see you, but God sees you. And God was able to restore and not destroy David. David sinned. David done some awful things. He conspired for killing people and adultery. But God looked beyond that. He looked beyond that. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. And my need was for a Savior. And God looked beyond that. He restored David rather than destroy him. When Nathan the prophet came to him, was talking to him, and he was saying, oh, do this and do that to God. But David repented when Nathan said, thou art the man. Thou art the man. He didn't try to justify what he'd done, but he, he went to God in repentance. Thou art the man. Because God looked beyond. I know many times we will let our past and our and be at the forefront for our sinner. But we must be able to let our past be the past and press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Rebellion. You think, well, I've been rebellious. I've been rebellious against God. I've been rebellious against the church. I've not done what God wanted me to do. How could I ever be an instrument in God's hands now? How could I ever? Well, then all you need to do is go and read Jonah. Jonah, he ran away from the calling of God. But God, but then, because God saw what he could be, he knew that he could use Jonah, even though at that time Jonah was being rebellious to the call of God. People, when God calls you for something, if you run away, he can bring you back. You can say, I'm not worthy to go back for that. No, 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 no. As long as there's breath in you, we're worthy. God sees what we don't see. And Jonah, he ran away from God, but he repented. Read Jonah 1, 7 through 9. He cried with a voice of thanksgiving when he was in that belly of the whale. Now, he didn't know if God would save him or not. But while he was in his struggle and in that torment of the belly of the whale, he said, I remembered my God. And he began to worship he began to worship. And I'm going to throw this in. What was the difference uh, between Peter and Judas? Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. But God used him. But why could he? Because Judas thought there's no use and went out and hanged himself. He didn't give God a chance to use him. But Peter repented, wept bitterly. 
God saw that that loudmouth fisherman that didn't know how to keep his mouth shut and was all about himself could be used. And he used him on the day of Pentecost. He looked beyond the fault. And he saw the, he saw what he was. Paul, hmm, you know, every one of you know about the story of Paul when God spoke with, when God spoke and, and, but God looked beyond what Paul was doing to proclaim. And I want to go back to Isaiah 61 to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Paul was bound. He was going around and he was binding Christians and putting them in prison and he was killing them. And he was getting more powerful and people was afraid of him. But Paul was bound with more than that. Paul was bound with tradition. He was bound with tradition for years that this, that there could not be any other God. That Jesus wasn't who they, he said he was. He was so bound that his eyes was blinded. I think in Isaiah said he said he come to open the eyes of the blind. He come to heal the brokenhearted. And he come to set liberty to the captive. The opening of the prison to them that was bound. God had to unbind all of the years of Paul's learning for him to come out of that prison and realize that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. For him to accept it. God saw not what he was. He didn't see him as a killer. He didn't see him as someone torturing people. But he said, I see a great apostle. I see somebody that's going to carry this gospel further than anybody else. Because God knew in time that we, the Gentile people, needed a savior too. And that's the reason he used Paul. So Paul was bound in traditions of man. And, but God looked beyond that tradition. God knew that someone that like Paul that had such a, had such a determination that was so strong willed, strong willed. But you know, a strong willed person, if you can channel them in the right direction, can be a mighty person, can be a mighty warrior, a mighty leader, because they believe firmly what they believe, they stand on it. They're not afraid to stand on it. So that's the reason he could stand up in front of kings and whoever afterwards, after he found out who Jesus was, he could take that same strong personality and give it to the Lord and give it to the Lord. And God saw that. He looked beyond. He looked beyond all of his faults. And he saw that Paul needed a real reason to be, find out who Jesus was. Now, sometimes we have to go through something. Paul was blinded. For a while. Paul even ends up with a thorn in the flesh. But God saw what Paul could do for him. He looked beyond. And he turned it into beauty. He turned what was so ugly. He turned what the people feared. Into something that they began to rejoice in. He turned it into beauty. When Jesus said. Another one. The woman at the well. When Jesus sat down at that well. In John 4 and 5. He knew what he was, what was going to happen. But that Samaritan woman didn't have any idea what was going to happen that day when she came to that well at the sixth hour to draw water. A woman of shame. A woman that couldn't come when anybody else did. A woman that, that they said, uh, some Greek, Greek philosophy and everything will tell you that if anybody was a harlot or if anybody was an adulteress back then, that they literally had to shave their head. So everybody knew she was shamed. Everybody knew. And she had to come 
when nobody else, because she was so ashamed, she knew everybody knew who she was and what she was. But that didn't stop Jesus. He sat down at that well, and he waited for her. He knew what hour she's going to be there. He sent his disciples on ahead because that would have been, she would have never stopped if there had been a group there. But he sent his disciples on ahead. And when she come to that and he asked her, said, would you give me a drink? And she looked at him and said, you being a Jew, why do you ask a drink of me, a Samaritan? You have no dealings with us. She knew her history. She knew that Father Abraham done that, dug that well. But she knew that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have any dealings with each other. And so she was shocked that he would even speak to her. But when he began to talk to her, he looked past what she had been and what she was at that moment. She, he looked past that. And he said, this is somebody that can work for me. He saw a broken vessel. That had been mired with life. He saw someone that said to themselves many times. I've got such a reputation for my life. Who would ever believe anything I tell them? I've worked with drug addicts. For 20 years I worked in alcohol and drug treatment. And that's the thing with so many of them. They said who would ever believe I can change. And so many of them feels like they can't. And that's because the devil has fed them a lie that you can't break free from this. You can't break free from it. But that's the devil. He wants to keep us bound. He wants to keep in control of us. And that's the way he was with this woman at the well. But thank God the day that she sat down there and Jesus said, give me a drink. Give me a drink. And she didn't understand why he would do that. He said, because if you only knew who you were talking to, if you only knew who you were talking to, I could give you a drink of water where you'd never have to worry about your past again. I could give you something, a well of living water. It says springing up springing up she would never have to worry about hiding her head when she went back yes the world didn't see her as an evangelist they saw her as an adulteress and and they seen and he told her said you've been married so many times and the man you're with right now is not your husband i'm telling you people there's nothing impossible with god We put limits on what God can do. We put limits on the chains that he can break. There's not a chain too hard that he can't break. There's not a soul too bad that he can't save. Because he sees what we don't see. Now I want to just throw this into you. You that have got loved ones that's not serving the Lord. Don't ever give up on them. Don't ever count it as lost. You keep praying. You keep believing. Because there is, as long as there's breath in their body, there's a chance that God is going to help them see that he's the one. He's the one that can open the prison doors. God's the only one that can open the prison doors for the addict. Now, it has to be that addict's decision that I'm going to walk out of that prison and I'm not going back. They have to learn to do that by not doing things they used to do. But that's the same way with us. Anybody that's got a spirit, and it is a spirit of lying, 
a spirit of cheating or anything. God can open your prison doors for that, but you've got to let him. And you've got to be willing to do it. You've got to be conscious of your action. And that's what it can happen when we be conscious of his action. And I think about God saw a broken vessel. God, some, God saw someone that says, I will never have a life. Never again will I be a, have a life. I'll never have a future because everybody knows who I am, who I was. They know my past. So my future is what it's always been. This is what I'm, this is what I'm destined for. But it's not because she met the master at the well. He said, I'll give you a drink of water where you'll never thirst again. And he looked beyond her faults. He looked beyond her failures. And he saw what he could do with her. And she ran back into the city. Guys, guess what? When she went back into the city, she left her past right there. She left the bucket. That she come at six at the sixth hour to draw out of the well. She left it there. She knew she didn't have to have that bucket anymore. She knew she was leaving her past behind her. Not letting the devil torment her mind anymore with what she was. But what she's going to be now in Jesus. And she went into the city. And she was holding that head up high. And saying, come see a man. Come see a man that told me all that I was. Come see a man. And they went out to see him. And then they finally told him, said, we believe not because she told us, but because we've seen you for ourselves. How many times do we need to be a witness to somebody? And they may not, they may come and see just because we told them. But once they get a hold of Jesus and Jesus gets a hold of them, then what he can do for them. I mean, don't, don't ever waste a chance to be a witness. She left her broken pieces at that well. She left what she used to be at that well. And then she became an evangelist for Christ because she left what she was at that well. Mm. He gave her beauty for those ashes. He gave her peace for all the turmoil in her life. He gave her joy. He gave her joy. There's nothing like the joy of the Holy Ghost, people. I'm telling you, there's nothing like the joy of the Holy Ghost. And I was thinking, because I've seen a clip on that Asperg uh, revival, and it's breaking out everywhere. And one young man said, I only gave my life to God a year and a half ago. But people, I'm telling you, this is real. I've got a joy. I've got something in here that I can't explain. God looked beyond. God sees anybody that's hungry. Anybody that's hungry, you may be set, somebody may be out there sitting on a bar stool. They're sitting on that bar stool and they're thinking, God, why am I here? This is not where I belong. I was raised different than this. Why am I here? God sees that hunger. God sees that hunger and he's willing to meet them wherever. God may, I'm sure God's met many people on a bar stool and then they walked away, but they have to walk away. But he can change, change those beauty and he he can make it. Take those ashes and make it beauty. He came to give us beauty for our ashes. No matter how broken we are, no matter what we've done, God is the answer. God is the answer. He does not condemn us. God much rather restore you than to reject you. He'd much rather, he'd much rather put you back on the potter's wheel and mold you again. And it may be a little rough because just like in the household of David, 
God saw David as a king. Even though the things that David had done was hideous. But God saw him as a king. Did David always have peace in his house? No. No, he didn't. But God saw what everybody else couldn't see. And David never, never complained. Sometimes when we're going through a trial or something in our lives, we start grumbling and complaining. But let me tell you what. Sometimes God's just reminding us. He's, he's, he's taking off the edges. He's, he's wheeling down. We're on that potter's wheel. So many times we're on that potter's wheel. And he's trying to make something beautiful, something new. All my confusion, he understood. All my confusion, he understood. God is so good to us. Don't let Satan tell you any longer that you've been too bad, waited too long, come today and let the master, let the master touch you. And I was going to play a song, but it had a lot of other stuff in it. And I I thought about having Brother Marty saying he saw not what I was, but he saw what I could be, or just a broken vessel on the potter's wheel. But I'm going to read this in closing. Mm, Hallelujah. T'was battered and scorned. And the auctioneer thought hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bid? Good people, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar two. Does anybody want to give two or even make it three for this old violin? Three dollars once, three dollars twice. It's fixing to go. But no. In the back of the room, from the very back came a gray-haired man, come forward and picked up the bow, then wiped the dust from the old violin and tightened up the strings. He played a melody so pure and sweet that even the angels could sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, Now, what am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand and three, do I hear three? Going and going. The audience cheered, for, but some of them cried. We just don't quite understand what changed its worth. Swiftly came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. A many a man with life's out of tune, all battered and bruised with hardships, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. And when I close with this, there's so many times, and I have told the ladies in prayer, so many times we see people that we think there's no chance for them, that there's no chance. They'll come when we have revival and they'll hit these altars, but then they're never here again. Don't give up. God is still dealing with them or they wouldn't come. And just let the master get a hold of that violin. Because when he gets a hold of it, it makes a difference. He makes missionaries. He makes preachers. He makes teachers out of something that somebody else would throw away. Today, let him make you into what he wants you to be. If you're suffering mentally, physically, Anyway, if you're full of hurt and pain, just remember, that's what he came for. He came to heal up the brokenhearted.
If you're bound by something, let him open that prison door for you and walk on out from it. He can do it. I want to be touched by the master's hand. God bless you.